I want to share with you something that is going to change your life. How in the world can you trust others? And how can you engender other people's trust in you? My name is Yitzwine. I'm the rabbi of Young Israel, Asia of Las Vegas, and welcome to the Life is Great community. Anyway, so we want to veer over here into the topic of trust. You know, it's so interesting. The um, There's a lot spoken, a lot, a lot of books about trust and a lot of discussions on how you can trust other people and how you can engender trust, have, have other people trust you more. And really, all of this discussion is rooted back in a mitzvah in the Torah, a commandment in the Torah, which is to trust God. And even though there's a lot of beautiful books and articles and I've been through a bunch of them. Uh, what I find over and over and over again is the one is the the articles and the books that I've read about trust in in the modern books are really just taking from some God given principles that I want to share with you today about trusting in God. And there was a fantastic rabbi who I quote often. His name is Rabbeinu Bichaya. And he lived about 850 years ago. He wrote a book. One of his books was uh, called The Chavos Levavos, The Duties of the Heart. And he has a whole section on how can one trust God? Now, when you go through that section, not only do you learn how to trust God, but you also learn how to trust other people or in some cases how not to trust them because they don't exhibit the qualities that are deserving trust. And if you're able to learn Torah on a deeper level, then also you can apply it to yourself. And you could say, wow, if I understood these qualities that engender trust, then I know that these are the qualities that I need to look at myself and work on, work on and bring them into my own personality. And then other people will trust me. Now, one of the modern books that I think is, it's, it's, it's a worthwhile read because it's a quick read, but I'll tell you, I just, I just want to, I'm not going to quote his principles. Um, it's called The Speed of Trust by Stephen Covey. A lot of Stephen Covey's stuff is biblically based. So I actually appreciate many of, many of his writings. But um, in his book, Speed of Trust, which what I'm going to share with you is going to be actually more valuable uh, in terms of how to bring trust into your life. Um, but he, he does, when, he, when he's making the argument for trust, um, which is really how you have to start off learning about things is, See the value, see why it's so important to trust other people and have other people trust you and to trust God. When he's making that argument, he says a fantastic story that I would like to share with you. He says that there was one time a, a, a basically a, a breakfast vendor in, in New York City and he had like, you know, one of those trucks, you know, and people would come up and they'd get a coffee or some breakfast food, whatever. And then he would, you know, they'd hand him the money and he'd make the change and give it to him. And he said that, um, and this vendor, said, you know, I spend so much time making change for other people. I think what I'm going to do is I'm just going to put out a bag with a bunch of cash in it and say, please take your own change. And when he first told others that he was going to do this, they ridiculed him and said, are you kidding? Someone's just going to come and take the bag. And he said, no, if I trust others, other people will trust me and they will behave. If I trust others, then other people will behave in a more trustworthy manner. And that was really his point. So what happened was 
at the end of the day, people would give him the money and he'd say, listen, your changes in the bag, you know, he'd give him the, whatever, the hot dog, coffee, whatever he was selling and the magazine. And then at the end, he noticed that most people left the change. They, they tipped him on a much higher level and he attributed those extra tips because he was saying, I trust you. So they would, they appreciated being trusted and they would tip him more. And the people did not steal from him because the initial trust was there. And, and, and that's why he called his book, The Speed of Trust. Another example that he gave that I thought was really fantastic was, you know, you gotta be a little old to remember this, but if you can remember pre 9-11 flying on a plane, pre 9-11, that was a pleasure. It was fast. You walked into the airport and 20 minutes later, you were walking in on the plane. You didn't have to arrive at an airport an hour and a half before it took off. You literally could arrive and then you walk through, there was security, but it was obviously very loose. And, but now, you know, it's like, listen, you know, you got to wait in line. You have TSA, uh, you know, you have, uh, you have so many things you cannot bring on the plane. One time I, when I go skiing by myself, I basically, I live on peanut butter and jam. And one time I made the, the horrific mistake of bringing a jar of Jiffy peanut butter in my backpack. And of course they, you know, they stole it. They took it from me. Terrible. Anyway. So, uh, you know, you know, there's so many things you can't do because now, Everything slows down. When people don't trust others, everything slows down. And when people don't trust others, then they don't trust you back. You know, I always say that one of the biggest problems with someone who steals is they assume that everybody else is stealing from them. Because like people treat me the way I treat others. If I'm a thief, everyone else is a thief, right? So when we begin our discussion about trust, it's so valuable because a person who has trust in others, lives a much calmer, happier life in all ways. And they are more effective. They are more generous. They are more honest. And people respond to them in such a way. If you trust in God, then you'll be amazed on the stress level in your life will drop so much. One of the in indications that someone trusts in God is they're basically a happy person. They rarely get rattled. As a matter of fact, I would say when people get rattled, at that moment, they're not trusting in God. They could be so religious, but if they are not trusting God at that moment, they get worried, they get rattled, they get upset. But if you are trusting in God at that moment, it doesn't make a difference what's going on in your life. You say, listen, there's, there's a God, he runs the world, he loves me more than I love my children, he knows what's best for me, and you know what, everything is fine. So you know, you're, you're just calm and you're happier. So let me share with you these seven principles, seven things that Rabbeinu Bechaya wrote about 850 years ago about how to engender trust. And his context, by the way, is these are the things that engender trust. And then his, it, you know, I'll, I'll spoiler alert right now, when he goes through all seven of them, the end is his conclusion is ultimately you can only trust God. Ultimately, because there's only the Almighty who, who has these seven. Okay, so number one, the first criteria to trust in God is, is, that, is that in order to make it possible for anyone to be worthy of one's reliance, he has to recognize that the, the individual has compassion, pity, and love. And when a person knows that his fellow is compassionate and pitying towards him, so then he will be inclined to trust that person and rely on him in all of the affairs that troubles him. So the first basis of trust 
is that you have to recognize the one in whom you're placing the trust really they 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 are compassionate and they, they that that's the main thing okay that's the first thing number two is that is essential over here is you must know that in addition to his love for placing his trust in him so not only that but he won't divert his attention from the person because he's you know he's occupied with other affairs and that also he's not sluggish in carrying out any one of his needs but if the one placing trust in the provider knows that he exerts himself and and is determined to care at his need so then what happens he won't be sure uh, regarding the person who's trusting so so what he's saying over here is that you have to know that you can stop and you can really put not only is the person compassionate towards you but also he must be he knows that the person's focused without interruption on his needs and he'll be energetic in addressing those needs number three is he must realize that the person who i'm trusting must have so much power that nothing can stand in the way of helping me right if i'm going to trust so if i'm going to trust you the first thing i'm looking for is that you're compassionate and you love you love me the second thing i'm looking for is that you must be focused without interruption on my needs and you'll be energetic in addressing my needs the third thing i must be really focused on is that nothing's going to get in the way of you helping me in other words there are many many people that want to help others but they just don't have the power to okay the fourth thing the fourth thing engenders trust is he must have the if i am trusting you then i must know that you have complete knowledge of what is good for me now in in an in insight into my personal matters now, you know if you're a parent like this is where parents like run run foul right because they might say listen i love my kid of course you should trust me and i'm focused on helping my kid and you know sometimes i can't help my kid but a lot of times i i'm whatever help whatever thing he needs is in my power but then what happens is we don't know as parents we don't always know know what's best for our children but let's say you are the father who knows best. Let's say you know really what's good for your children. You ready for this? You must have the management of the needs of the one bestowing the trust throughout his entire period of existence. So obviously this is only the almighty. Now, what he's saying here is the longer that I have had a relationship with you, the more I can trust you. It's not a function of like, if I've known you for, for five minutes, I can trust you a little bit. If I've known you for a week, then, and, and you've exhibited this love and compassion and a willingness to help me and, and an energy and, a, a, the, and the ability to help me and the knowledge to know what's good and bad for me. I've known you for a year and you've been, then I'll trust you more than if I've known you a week. And if I've known you for 20 years, then I will trust you even more. As a side point, this is why when family members betray trust, it cuts way deeper than, uh, than friends or employers or employees. Because very, very often you, you say to about a family member, I've, been, I've known him for 30 years and this is how he treats me? This is all of a sudden he stabs me in the back? You know, guys, have been, they've been married for 10 years, right? And I've married for 20 years and now they've betrayed me, right? The, the hurt is so much more because there's been years and years of precedent of trust, okay? Number six, 
number six. But here, but you know, the way he writes it is that the way the Chavis Lavavis writes it, Rabbeinu Bechai writes it, is that yeah, I've been able to trust you for my entire existence. So that's only God, right? That's, I mean, as of now, my parents, but only God. Number six, he must have absolute control over everything that happens to the one bestowing trust. So this is obviously the, the only the Almighty, right? Everything control. So, you know, listen, I don't control everything in your life. I never will. You don't control everything in my life. You never will. The only one who controls everything in the world is God. So now we're at this point where, but again, if I'm dealing with someone who had complete control over everything, then I could really trust them. And number seven is he must be unfailing, generous, and kind to e even to the undeserving. So this thing, it's, we have to recognize, first of all, that no human being has these seven qualities. Only God has them. And so it's logical to, actually, it is very logical to have trust in God because God has all of these seven things. And this means that a person should place his trust in God and submit to God's control and accept all of the Almighty's measures of judgment with goodness and gladness and with recognition that everything is for our ultimate good. So if I want, if I'm looking at another person, how do I apply it? And I say, well, how much should I trust you? Well, you know what? If you love me, then I'll trust you. If you're focused on helping me, then I'll trust you more. If you have a lot of power, nothing's going to get in the way of you helping me, then I'll trust you more. If you have knowledge of what's good and bad for me, you know, then I'll trust you even more. If you manage all my needs, right, through like for a long time, we have a long history, I'll trust you even more. If you have absolute control over everything in the world, I'll trust you more. And you know what? If you're kind to the deserving and undeserving, because sometimes I'm simply not deserving, I'll trust you even more. Now, if I want to make people trust me, so this is how I do it. This is how I apply the same thing. So what I do is I, is I see a person and I say, you know what? I want to exhibit to them that I love them, I'm compassionate, and I pity them, right? Taking care of them, right? And they'll trust me. And then if, I, if I'm very energetic in helping the other person doing what they need, they'll trust me more. And if I, if I show them that nothing gets in the way, that I'm, I have supreme power, that you know, I'm going to help the person. I'm going to help you no matter what. You'll trust me more. And if I exhibit wisdom and I exhibit understanding of who they are and what's good for them and what's not good for them, they will trust me more. And then if I have management of their needs, if just things in their world, you know, their work, their schooling, their health, you know, if, if I, if they perceive that I am really in control of all of these things, they will trust me more. And if I've been doing this for a very long, long time, they will trust, uh, they will trust me more and they will trust me the most when they recognize, wow, even when, when they say to themselves, even if I don't deserve it, he's still going to help me. He's not going to, he's, he's completely loyal. So when you have all these seven things that are at play here, so you can really see how you trust in other people. You can develop other people's trust in you. And ultimately, really, when it comes down to, it, we should really be trusting in God. And uh, because God is ultimately the only one who, who, has all of these seven qualities in a, 
in a total perfect way. So now I want to bring in my very favorite Dana Rutherford. Yay, Dana, our producer. And Dana and Dana has a couple questions that some of the listeners have have sent over to us in this regard. Um, hit it. Excellent. Okay. Well, thank you so much. Excellent. Um, so the first of the four questions is, where do you draw the line when it comes to trust? And this would be for people, people and people. People and people. So yeah, you have to really go through all seven of these. And, and when a person um, stops exhibiting, you know, one of these, then that's how much like, in other words, we have to realize there are many, many levels of trust. Uh, you know, you can trust a person to, um, you know, to uh, show up on time. Perhaps you can trust a person to, you know, uh, do a favor for you, bring you a coffee. You know, if you're if your car, uh, you, know, you get a flat tire in the middle of the night and you're out 50 miles out of the city. And, you know, there's sometimes you can trust a person to help you out then as well. That, that might take more trust. Um, but I think there's gradation. So it depends on the situation and then how the relationship fits into all, all of these seven. That's great. Um, thanks, everybody. Okay, so the next one is how do you pinpoint where a person's trust issues start and how do you begin to fix them? So the first thing is if they don't recognize, go go one by one. I, I really think like just having these down will help. So if you identify, you say, you know, they seem to care about me, but they really don't, they're not compassionate. They have moments where they're compassionate about me, but there are way more moments that really, it's just only, the only reason they're around is, is self-serving. So then your, your trust is, is stopped pretty, you know, right up front. If they are someone who you identify, you know, they really do love me. They are very compassionate and they help me a lot. So then you can go to the next level. You can stop and, you know, you can stop and you say, well, wait a second, like, how long have I known them? If I've only known them a short period of time, then you say, okay, take it slow. And, and, and then we'll develop the trust. Um, and then with, again, they might, they might be very loving and kind, but they might, and they might know what's good for us, but if they don't have the ability to help us, if they don't have the ability to help, so then that's also going to limit it. So again, it's, you, I think you just have to go step by step by each one of these seven stages. And, and eventually you're going to, you know, you're going to stop and you'll limit the amount of trust. That's excellent. And then um, the next one is how do you begin to build a deeper and greater trust in God? So it's really going through each one of these. It really is focusing. Uh, you know, we we understand, you know, that, that one of the fundamental, the, one of the most fundamental things you can know about your relationship with God is that the more you think about God, the more aware you are that he's in the room, the stronger your relationship is with God. And at that moment, it's, it's at that moment when you're thinking, you're aware that God's here, you're connected with God. And what happens is even when you divert your attention to something that's necessary, like work or eating or taking a shower or going to the washroom, when you, you know, these things are necessary. So, but be real with the fact that the minute we divert our attention away from focus on God, we are less connected with him. 
So the first thing is to start thinking about God, being very aware of Hashem's presence. Just be very, very aware of God's presence. And then while you're aware, each one of these, then you can start to contemplate, wow, God has been really kind to me. He loves me so much. And he's always helped me. And he's always he like, you know, and he has the ability to do everything all the time. So I think, you know, for, it starts with a consciousness that he's around and then a discussion and a learning and just reinforcing each one of these seven principles. That's beautiful. And then the last one is uh, when you start to build trust, what are some of the reminders you can give yourself as you, when you reach periods when it's buckling? What are some of, I guess, reinforcements that one person can give themselves? So that means, so the way I understand your question is when I'm building my trust in another person and I'm growing closer to them. So again, it's going to be focusing on, wow, they do love me. That, that act of kindness showed they love me. That act of, of, uh, that, that, that act of understanding that, that comment means they really do know what's good for me. Um, when they exerted, uh, you know, it's, it's really paying attention to people's track record of everything they're doing. You know, you know, it, it's going to, you know, it's interesting. All these things ultimately are going to go back to the skill of gratitude of really being able to recognize what a person does, why they do it, how their ability to do it. And the more we just recognize it, the more gratitude we have, the more loyalty we will develop uh, for them. And the more we, the more we'll trust them. Great. Thank you so much, Rabbi And Thanks, everyone. All right. Well, thank you for joining the uh, Life is Great podcast. And it is so great to have you. Please send, you can send in your, uh, your questions. And uh, Dana will uh, will will uh, take take the best of them and read them out over here. But eventually, I will answer every question. Thanks for listening to the Life Is Great podcast. Share this with your friends, and they will love you for it. If you have questions or comments, please email me at rabbiyitzwine at gmail That's R A B B I Y I T Z. W-Y-N-E at Gmail. For more content, check out our Facebook page and YouTube channel. Thank you to Dana Rutherford for producing today's episode. And remember, if you decide to make it a great day, then your life will be great. Thank you for listening and being part of the Life is Great community. To keep these podcasts and other awesome programs available for free, please consider making a tax-deductible donation at yiaishlv.org backslash contribute.